eating disorders. What is anorexia and bulimia? What signs and symptoms should we watch for if someone we love has an eating disorder? What treatments are available for those struggling with these issues? Join us today as I interview Travis Stewart, the Director of Regional Outreach for Castlewood Treatment Centers for Eating Disorders. He's a licensed professional counselor, a nationally certified counselor, and has worked in this field since 2003. This is Kay Meyer, President of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Travis, for being my guest today on Family Shield. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, as we begin, let's just kind of do a little bit of a overview of what an eating disorder is sure. for our listeners that maybe don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So eating disorders, I, it's helpful for me to think about it on a continuum. We certainly have diagnosable uh, behaviors that are eating disorders, you know, officially. But all of us relate to food and use food differently. And so um, there's a wide continuum of, you know, sometimes if I'm sad, I might eat bowl of ice cream even though I'm not hungry, you know, or sometimes I'm anxious. And so I might avoid eating because my stomach doesn't feel like it before, you know, a big presentation or something like that. So there's a wide continuum. Um, but when we start talking about diagnosable eating disorders, we have th- three uh, main ones, anorexia, uh, anorexia nervosa, bulimia, um, and binge eating disorder are the three primary um, disorders. So we can talk more about each yeah, of those if right. that would be yeah, helpful. that's that's good. Let's talk with uh, let's start with uh, anorexia. What is it? What sure. are some of the uh, issues that some people have? I'm sure everybody doesn't have all the same issues related right. to that. Right. Yeah. So there are some things that we can say are defining of anorexia. Um, and for for really good help, if you're interested in researching this, I would recommend the National Eating Disorder Association, their website. Um, they've got great information. We won't go into all the ins and outs of diagnosis today. But essentially, anorexia is restriction of food, um, restriction of caloric intake um, to the point where the body begins to starve. Um, and the reasons behind that are varied and many. Um but a lot of times it, it's connected to issues of anxiety, um, fear, um, not feeling safe, um, and only really loosely connected to the idea of how people want to look. Mm. So one of the myths around anorexia is that, well, they just care too much about how they look, and so they're trying to lose weight. And that's really not very helpful. Um, there is some elements of that that play into it, but primarily it's a, a way of restricting and controlling food in such a way that you feel more uh, safe and accomplished and maybe powerful and helps to quiet some of the noise in the brain that those with anorexia are going to be hearing. So I'm trying to think, how do I package this into yeah, a way I without understand. going too long? With uh-huh. But that's some of the big picture for anorexia. So the, the main behaviors you'll see is restriction of food and, and fluid intake. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly over-exercising to the point far beyond what their the fuel, the f- food intake is. Um, and then you tend to see a lot of issues around anxiety and perfectionism that kind of fall into that category as well. So mm-hmm. those are mm-hmm. that's kind of a big picture. Now, on, on the extreme, um, it, it can certainly cause some health problems. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So the the more that the individual loses weight, um, the more serious it becomes. Um, you start to because you don't just lose weight from your thighs or your mm-hmm. waist. You lose weight on your internal organs. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that people don't think about, but you lose weight in your brain. Hmm. So the brain, if we took out the water uh, weight of the brain, the remainder of the brain is around 60% fat. And when you're starving or you're losing weight, um, you lose weight in the brain. So it causes a lot of brain dysfunction, um, Mm -hmm. problems concentrating, increased paranoia, a lot of problems like that. So there's lots of medical complications. The internal organs can shut down. Um, you know, osteoporosis can set in very early. You know, that's not typically until much right. older that what someone would have that, but that can be caused. Um, lots of other problems with the heart. Mm-hmm. The list goes on and on and uh-huh. on about the medical complications. Okay. What about bulimia? So bulimia, um, even though it's related, in some ways it's very different. Bulimia is the experience of... It may – well, first let me say you might have anorexia with purging type. Okay. So purging is you any – do both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, if there's – if they seem to be competing, then anorexic diagnosis sort of takes precedent. Um, so you could have anorexia with purging. But otherwise, um, bulimia is where you would have the experience of binging on a large amount of food. Mm. You have feeling of a loss of control. Um, it's very similar in some ways to other compulsions or addictions, whether that's shopping addiction or a drug addiction uh, or a gambling addiction. There's a lot of similarities in the sense of there's a compulsion to do a behavior. And then whether there's a feeling of I'm too full or shame or guilt about what I've just done, then there's the behavior to get rid of the food. Often that's done through vomiting um, but there's other ways of purging. Sometimes exercise is used, other things like that. The, the classic though is vomiting that, that gets rid of those calories. That reduces the shame and the anxiety that was caused by the behavior in the first place. A mm-hmm. lot more shame. Someone struggling with bulimia could be a normal weight or it could even be overweight, um, mm-hmm. you know, over their target body weight. So it's not as easy to sort of point out and see somebody struggling with that. Now, sometimes we uh, we see that information about bulimia and the vomiting, but that can cause a lot of damage to the teeth. Teeth, esophagus, you know, there's acid, obviously, in throwing up, and so uh-huh. that causes physical problems. But it also, one of the things that happens is um, with the binging and the purging is, for example, that all your levels in your body, electrolytes, sodium, those can get really thrown off. Well, electrolytes keep your heart at the right pace. Mm-hmm. So if your labs are or if your levels are off, um, then you could have a very serious problem with your heart mm-hmm. failure because of that. So wow. it is also very dangerous. Um, it's not so much related to the weight, but rather those fluctuations uh-huh. in the body. Okay. And what about binge eating? Right. So binge eating is a fairly new term in the last several years where it was just added to the medical dictionary, so to speak. Um, We've called it in the past overeating, uh, emotional eating. Um, And those things uh, exist. What's different about binge eating disorder is that, again, you have that loss of control. So it's not just eating too much. It's eating too much in a short amount of time. They just don't do the 
behavior to get rid of the food. Mm. So it's oh. in some ways it's like bulimia without the purging behavior at mm. the end. Um, but it causes a lot of shame, guilt, and often those people struggle with being significantly over a target or a healthy weight. Okay. Okay, good. So you've mentioned a couple reasons for the eating disorder, but let's talk a little bit more. What causes eating disorders? Yeah. And it, I'm sure that's hard to define, <laughs> but maybe some of the uh, things that you know that might cause this. And I, and I think as we continue this, I know some of our listeners are going to either have this themselves, but a lot of them, they're going to have a teenage son or daughter or college son or daughter are someone they know that they love and care yeah. about that they might be thinking maybe this is a problem because isn't a lot of these things done in secret? Certainly, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of secrecy um, and it can depend on the behaviors and the personality of the person. Um, maybe they're not a secret but generally they start that way. So yeah, what causes them is a big question mm-hmm. um, and I, w- I don't want to give a simplistic answer but there's a lot of different factors, you know, and the research is looking more and more into genetics, mm-hmm. right? What are the genetic factors? So we know, for example, anxiety runs in families. We also know that anxiety is often also present with these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that perfectionistic tendencies tend to align more with anorexic behaviors. Really? Yeah, so you tend to see those genetic things. You tend to see family dynamics um, um, how maybe the family talks about food, maybe they talk about bodies, maybe they tease about weight. Those cases, oh, those can play a factor in many cases. Um, then, of course, you have experiences like trauma, mm. whether that's a significant trauma like sexual or physical abuse, or maybe more common traumas like moving when you're young. Yeah, that you is know, traumatic. Yeah, it's traumatic. Yeah. Uh, so those factors can play a role. Um, culture plays a role um, in the sense of how we view the body, mm-hmm. how we talk about the body, mm-hmm. um, and particularly in the church, um, views about the body. I don't think the the church as a whole has a very healthy theology of the body. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've done a very good job thinking about it, and I think we generally have sort of absorbed the cultural and without going on a long rabbit trail, some of the history of Greek thinking around uh, the view of the body. And so I don't think we've done a very good job. So that can often contribute as well as just how do we think about the body. Okay. So those are some of the yeah. some of the things. And uh, poor self-esteem, maybe you mentioned that. Would that be one? Yeah. And it's, you know, with all of these, there's a little bit of the chicken you, and egg. Yeah. You don't know for sure what right. causes it. Yes. It's just some of the things that yes. it's it would. It's very common that it is present. Whether or not that was the cause or the result, that's hard to tease out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what type of treatments are necessary? And maybe as you share that, you can talk about some of the people without names and without, sure. you know, <clears> just... So that people know what types of treatments. There's probably a, many different ways that people are treated. Yeah, Let's talk a little sure. bit about that. Yeah, what I'll I'll do that briefly from a um, the perspective of helping explain different levels of care. Okay, so different good, ways. So, um, and I'll just touch on those briefly. But so you start with outpatient care, and that's your typical. You would go to a counselor or a registered dietitian. Um, and you'd begin to do weekly appointments. So that's where usually it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would recommend that at that level of care, you work with a, a team. So you're going to have, if you have the uh, 
if you know the opportunity to see somebody who's an expert in eating disorders, mm-hmm. then that would be preferable. But you want to have a team of a therapist, a dietitian, a medical professional, and then also a psychiatrist if possible. That's the best approach. Um, do you do that together or you just mean no, you have these people you would in have, your lives? You have them in your lives oh. and ideally they're communicating with one ah, another. Good. That's, yes. So they that's are a team important. but right. they may not be in the same office. Right, right. right. Okay, good. So, so that's outpatient level of care. That's where most people are going to start um, and getting help with those. Um, and there are, there are resources. Maybe we can put them on the website of where you can sure. go to try to find yeah, uh, we a could provider. Definitely, we will definitely add – your website to our recommended links, but if you have others, yeah, just uh, let let me know. We'd yeah, because you to do that, you can find certified people who are certified in eating disorder treatment. Okay, good. So that'd be wonderful. So that's the outpatient level of care, and then it starts to increase in intensity and frequency as you, if you're still struggling and the outpatient level of care is not sufficient, then you might move into what's intensive outpatient care. That might be three hours a day, mm-hmm. five days a week where you're doing individual therapy, you're working with a registered dietitian. I keep mentioning registered dietitian because any anybody can hang up a shingle and yeah. say I'm a nutritionist. Yeah. If you're working in this, you want someone who's a registered dietitian. That means they have the education and the qualifications to okay. treat it appropriately. Sure. Um, but yeah, at the intensive uh, level of care, it's called Intensive Outpatient Program, IOP is what's referred to. Mm-hmm. That would be the next level of care. If that's not enough – they would step up to the next level, which is often called PHP, Partial Hospital Program. Mm -hmm. It's an unfortunate name because it's not in a hospital. Oh, isn't it really? (laughs) Not necessarily. Um, But that's what the industry calls it, day treatment. Okay. So you'd go for maybe nine hours a day, um, do groups, individual therapy. You'd have most of your meals, if not all of them, provided there in in a supportive environment. So they're they're monitoring. Monitoring, supporting you as you do that. And then above that is residential level, Mm -hmm. which is 24-7. And then on a rare occasion, less frequent these days, is inpatient level of care. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Um, That's very helpful. I'm going to make a few announcements and we'll come back and I'll ask you a little more about that and um, maybe you can share a couple stories of people from those different levels, how they maybe move through sure. them or don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Self-Control in an Addictive World. To request the booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center at 1-877-250-8416 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. When you call or write, don't forget to give us your complete name and address. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website, www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice, or call their office, 1-800-847-4836. Remember, you must re-sign up monthly. All funds given through this program go to support the Family Shield radio program. Although the gospel is free, our radio airtime is not. We appreciate all of you that support the ministry. You can contact us at Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And you can email us at witness2family at gmail.com. I also want to let our listeners know about Adams Road Ministry. 
that we are bringing in to St. Louis for a special event on Friday, October 13th. It'll be held at Concordia Lutheran Church in Kirkwood. The event is free, and it'll begin at 6.30. Adams Road is composed of ex-Mormons who will share their testimonies of being rescued out of Mormonism, and they'll share their music. Plan now to attend and email us to receive a flyer that you could post at your congregation. We also have a bulletin insert, and we are encouraging Christians from throughout the St. Louis metro area to join us that evening. Now I want to go back to our program. My guest is Travis Stewart of the Regional Outreach for Castlewood Treatment Centers for Eating Disorder. Uh, I also want to mention Castlewood's website, and we will add that to our recommended links on our website, www.castlewoodtc.com, which would stand for Treatment Center, yep, right? you got okay, it. Okay, good. And uh, what other uh, websites might you recommend as we, you know, kind of... Yeah, so I mentioned the National Eating Disorders Association. Um, that's a great resource um, for professionals who are interested, if you're a counselor or a dietitian, um, the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals would be a great website. Um, and then a friend of mine, Constance Rhodes, runs Finding Balance. Mm. It's findingbalance.com, and it is a ministry committed to eating and body image issues um, located down in Nashville, and they've got lots of great resources, even online support yeah. groups. Oh, wonderful. So that would be a great place to start. Wonderful. Well, right before the break, you talked about levels of care. Yeah. Um, and outpatient care team, I'm not going to read all of them. I did write them, made notes as you did that. But talk a little bit more about the levels of care and how often somebody might need to go from one to the other. And yeah. maybe just a couple stories about some of the people that you've treated and yeah. how that works for them. So eating disorders, unfortunately, are very uh, difficult to treat and often um, people struggle and need long-term care in the sense – not necessarily long-term in the sense that they're in the same place for a long time. Um, but over many years, they're going to need to work with a team um, because these are very – It can take years. It right? can take years, absolutely, wow. and uh, sometimes multiple treatments. Um, the good news is the the younger it's caught, the earlier intervention is done, the more likely that a good outcome is mm -hmm. going to come out and that they'll experience healing um, early on. So – um, an example of that, um, when I was – I worked for a number of years at a treatment center in Arizona and uh, I had a 16-year-old girl, um, lots of 16-year-old girls that, that I worked right? with. A lot yeah. of teenagers. Yeah, right? I, uh -huh. I was working in our adolescent unit oh, okay. at the time okay. and so um, – but yeah, so – you know, I saw a number, lots of different family dynamics and people would always ask me, well, what causes eating disorders? And I would think through like all the dozens and dozens of, you know, young ladies that I'd worked with and I thought, I can't tell you. There's so yeah. many different yeah. reasons. Right. Um, but, you know, a couple stand out. One, um, I remember that uh, a young woman really struggled. She was very, very angry, really difficult family situation, uh, alienated herself from mm -hmm. almost everyone you know, in the treatment center even. Oh, really? Yeah, and really, really struggled. She came into us, uh, she was probably 5'3". She came into us weighing about 60 pounds. So she, to get to a healthy weight, needed to, to gain um, almost double her weight wow. um, to be where she needed yeah. to be. And um, it was a really, really long-term difficult treatment. And um, like I said, she alienated most of the people there. But one of the things that stood out to me when on her last day, 
when we were saying goodbye, she said, nobody here liked me except you. Oh. And, and I'm not sure that's the case, yeah. but she, she really longed for care. connection and yeah. care and love. And it was hard for her to receive it because she was sure. so um, antagonistic uh-huh. so many times. And I don't know how she's doing. I, yeah. you know, I don't you know don't where know. she's at. That sure. was 10 years ago. And right. um, at the same time, I had a 16-year-old who um, came to treatment, um, very supportive family, mm. um, very involved and engaged. And um, she did pretty good work and worked hard. And when she left, um, she seemed to be doing okay. But when she got home – kind of crashed and struggled again. And she tells me the story that she got put back into a hospital mm. to stabilize her medically and that she she thought to herself at, at some point, I don't want to do this again. I have all these resources. Literally, she had a notebook from treatment, you know, and she said, I pulled out the notebook and I started doing what we talked about doing. And, and uh, so about, I think it was two summers ago now, um, my wife and I got to go to her wedding. Oh, yeah. how awesome. Yeah, and, you know, Isn't it was great. And she now is a therapist working oh. with others with eating disorders. Wow. So, So you have those great stories sure. to help, sure. um, you know, balance out the really tough and difficult right. ones. Because out of all mental disorders, um, eating disorders have the highest death rate. Really? Yeah, higher than – Really? Yeah, yes, it's the most deadly of all mental disorders. Oh, yeah, yeah. and yeah. it is considered a mental disorder. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't think that came up. I think I've heard that before. Yeah, so I mean, oh. it's mental, it's medical, it's yeah. physical, it's wow. it's really complex because of how the mental behaviors, um, the mental thoughts, and the behaviors affect the body. Wow. So much more than say gambling. Yeah. That hurts your pocketbook. Sure. But it doesn't necessarily affect hurts you. Your body. Physically, yeah. correct. Well, now, I know you work in a secular agency, but I also know you're a Christian. Uh, what about the importance of faith in the process of this healing? Sure. I know you can't probably just always share that because you're not in a Christian uh, treatment program. But just as you see that, does that when sure. someone has faith uh, in Christ, does that help them as they ask the Lord to help them through this process? Yeah, so I'll answer that in two ways. One is I think most uh, treatment facilities are are recognizing the importance of spirituality, and that may de- they may define spirituality more broadly or differently. Um, the way we do it at Castlewood is we have a spirituality group, and and what we explore in there is not necessarily the, the tenets of faith, but rather what's the role that spirituality plays in your life. It gives a sense of meaning and hope and purpose. And so we do it in a way that's very um, safe and gives people the opportunity to explore and wrestle with questions and doubt and all of that. Um, but we see it as a critical part to recovery. Um, and I would so, think so, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I wanted to ask You know, not that. every treatment center, I think, does it in the same way. Sure. I've seen it done well and I've seen it not done well. Uh-huh. But um, – but yeah, we th- I think it's a critical part. For those who are Christians, I think you know the the main thing and I actually spoke to our staff recently about the distinctions of Christian counseling. I had an opportunity to talk to the, all of the staff. And I think one of the things it does is it Christianity offers an anchor for your identity. Mm. Right? And it says you are loved, mm-hmm. you know, you are valuable, mm-hmm. you are uh forgiven. You're given a purpose and an identity that um, often people don't have mm-hmm. if they don't – even don't. Christians struggle with believing right, that, right. right? Knowing you're loved yes. by God and someone else is going to help you. Absolutely. So that's that's probably the most significant part is 
in this particular context is the the importance of identity mm-hmm. and understanding identity because so many people who struggle with eating disorders have a great deal of self-hatred, sure. low self-esteem, yeah. those types of things. Yeah, good. Now for our listeners that maybe don't have this problem themselves but have a loved one that they think might, what do they yeah. do? Yeah. I would start with checking out some of the websites that we've mentioned. Um, there's lists of signs and s- symptoms. On Castlewood's Facebook, we have actually done a series of videos recently talking to family members. Good. You know, so there's resources there. The National Eating Disorder Association have – how do I talk to my loved one? There's yeah. all kinds of resources they're going to deny it, right? If, if they might. They might. Um, they might be relieved that somebody finally somebody brought finally it up. Somebody figured um, it out, yeah. But primarily don't tell them what to do. No. Um, and ask them questions mm-hmm. um, and tell them how you're affected by the yeah. behaviors in a, in a kind way, uh-huh. not a shaming way, yeah. not a when yeah. you do this, I, right. you know, right. I get so scared, but more rather of, wow, when I see you struggling to eat, I get scared. Yeah. You know, so with that honesty and vulnerability. We have two minutes left. All Any right. Just closing thoughts that you have. I'm so glad that you're doing this because it's a topic um, that's not often talked about. You know, when you think about in the church – have you ever heard a sermon on body image? Really? No. And, no. and the Bible has a lot to say it has, about it, doesn't the, it? Well, Christianity is the faith out of all world faiths talks the most about the body, mm-hmm. and yet we don't preach about it. No, so I'm don't. very glad that you're doing this. There's um, resources, and maybe I can give you some more to put online. Sure, I would love um, to do that. But there's some good books out there and resources, and so I'm very glad that you're bringing this to our attention because we don't talk about it enough in and the we church. Need to. Yes, we, we do. Need to. Well, yeah. I I appreciate you coming in and sharing that, and and again, we will add Castlewood Treatment Center to our links. But we'll also, if you send some stuff or if someone emails us, you know, I'll just put that together and. We'll get it back to them so that they have some resources. Absolutely. That is wonderful. Thank you so much. Again, my guest has been Travis Stewart. He is uh, the director, the regional outreach director for Castlewood Treatment Center for Eating Disorders. And uh, he's been working in this field since 2003, so he's got a lot of experience. Um, I want to mention again, we're giving away the booklet, Self-Control in an Addictive World. And uh, that's a great book because this is an addiction, is it not? It has elements of addiction for sure. Yeah. And uh, you can, again, call our response center, 1-877-250-8416, or just email us at witness2family at gmail.com. You can learn more about Family Shield Ministry on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. We encourage you to continue listening to keep us in your prayers And uh, thank you so much for listening. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.